welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. All right, well, if there was ever a prophetic video, it's that one. It was filmed like four years ago. Man, that is so many people's reality at work right now. Uh, my name is VJ. And I'm Dave. We are uh, the teaching pastors here at The Well. So glad that you're with us today. Uh, now, uh, I was actually raised in a home by uh, a pastor. And, uh, he, you know, he and my mom didn't teach me a lot of four-letter words. Um, <laughs> they tried not to. Um, I've tried not to teach my kids a lot of four-letter words. Some of you, maybe your parents did teach you them, but then when you tried to use them, they were like, hey, you can't say that. <laughs> it's one of those caught and taught things. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not fair. Not fair. Um, but uh, so discussion question today, what uh, are some of the four letter words you've learned? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, don't discuss that. Don't discuss that. Um, one of the four letter words I did learn and my kids have seemed to learn is this one, work. Ah, some of you are like flinching, covering your ears right mm. now. The word work. Paid, unpaid, schoolwork, work, work, housework, every kind of work. And uh, it's kind of, in many ways, a four-letter word. Uh, if I could maybe oversimplify, um, for some of us, it's a curse. Work is a curse. The work we have to do, the work we're studying, the work we're uh, paid to do, the work we're not paid to do but still needs to get done, it's a curse. We drag ourselves through the day to get to the end of the day, through the week, through the semester, through whatever. We live for weekends, for vacation. And someone once said now in a culture that actually many people hate their work, uh, retirement is nirvana. Retirement is heaven. And so we are just waiting for that. And I was thinking, you've never seen the Lotto 649, the lottery commercial where it says, imagine the freedom to continue to work even though you don't have to. <laughs> like, no one's going to make that out. Why? Because the whole fantasy is, oh, if I didn't need the money, man, I would not do this. That's work is a curse. Maybe on the other side of the spectrum, for some of us, work is not a curse. It's an obsession. It's something we spend so many hours at. We work more hours after hours, so to speak. Even when we're not working, we're thinking about it, whether it's our school or our jobs. Um, we're planning around it. We're trying to figure out how to get better. We're reading books to try to improve. We're taking classes to do that. Some of us are you know, uh, doing unpaid work, which is school, uh, to eventually do paid work, which is, will be school, <laughs> to eventually get a job that will be paid, we're not sure, but it, and it's going to consume so much of our lives. Some of us are so stressed by the work. It's an obsession, whether we love it or we find it difficult. Um, many of you, perhaps in the past, traveled. You spent hours, you know, I know a lot of people who hours commuting, hours traveling, like, and work is just, is something that has taken up a lot of your lives. And for you, it's not a four-letter word, but maybe if you're married or for your kids, your work is a four-letter word to them. They're like, oh, come on, you're always working. Oh, you're working again. That, that kind of thing. And, and that tension within us, sort of like, it's either a curse or an obsession. And maybe it's a little bit of both for everyone. <laughs> Depends what day it is. So here's a, a good discussion question for you. Um, what for you would be the best or the worst job? Best or worst job, either one you've had or one you hope you never have or one you really hope you have. Just take two minutes and talk about that together.
Here's why this is so important. We were never meant to work as people under the idea that it's a curse where we maybe feel like slaves, where we're being used up and beaten up and, you know, uh, bled dry by this. Nor was work meant to be an obsession where we are like owners, in a sense, grasping it tightly. The scriptures actually tell us something so different. Um, the opening pages of scripture actually begin with God at work. Um, and Timothy Keller in his book, Every Good Endeavor, points this out. Um, he says, that when, when the creation story in scriptures describe God at work, it's so different than any other worldview or creation myth or story or whatever, um, where a lot of worldviews have the world coming to be out of chaos, um, out of chance, or out of war or conflict, like even some ancient myths where it was like the gods fighting and they cut each other up into pieces and those pieces formed the land. The scriptural story of God and, and the world is that God, he, the word, the Hebrew word is described God as a manual laborer on his hands and knees in the dirt. Like this idea of human beings even made out of dirt and God forming and taking things that were empty and shaping them is God with his hands manually shaping not a random, chaotic, bloody creation, but a beautiful world. You know, like if you were going to go into a home and an architect, it's like stunning and functional. You know, it's like, that's the world. It is stunning and so functional. It's reproductive. God didn't just make apples. He made apples with seeds and the seeds fall to the ground and they make trees, which make more apples. And there's a cycle of that. There's, there's beauty and, and creation that is habitable that you can live in and stuff that isn't habitable, but still totally beautiful. Just beauty for the sake of it. And so we see in scripture, is God at work making something beautiful and functional and, um, and him up to his hands and knees into it, doing it. And then, so that's the first thing, it's this good thing and it produces something good and beautiful. Then human beings are put in the center of it and given an unfinished creation to go and use a word that you used a couple weeks ago, cultivate mm -hmm. and create. And so work from the beginning was this entrustment, this God saying, here's an unfinished creation to human beings. I want you to go and create and cultivate, to make new things and to make things grow. The, the key word in there is actually not slave or owner, but steward. We as human beings were given work as stewards. We're not beaten up and driven to work like slaves. We are not saying, hey, you have to own this. It's up to you. It's on you. White knuckled, grasp it. You're a steward. Take care of this, but go create and cultivate. That word cultivate is so important. We've been talking in this series uh, called Reconnect about something like this, a trellis, just something that's not alive, but it helps something that is alive grow. And that we said in our lives, we actually need a trellis for life, that we need something, a structure, a plan that will help us create and cultivate that will help things grow in our lives. And we're calling it reconnect because we're saying the most important things that need to grow in our lives are relationships. With God, you know, this way, with, with ourselves, this way, and with each other, horizontally, relationships. And so um, these four weeks, we're exploring four different aspects of a trellis to help us grow. And rest, prayer, relationships, and today, yes, work. Here's why you need a trellis. If you're someone for whom work is a curse and you just don't want to think about it and you spend all your life trying to avoid it or get it done and just wish you didn't have to do it, 
It's actually, even though you do, you're going to do it, okay, here you go, 100,000 hours in your life. More than you do anything else other than sleep. Some of you sleep even less than that. You will work to have such a dominant chunk of your life be an empty uh, place of weeds and dead things is going to kill you. And some of us, it literally is. And so you need a plan. You need a trellis. For those of us that say it's an obsession, probably rest relationships and prayer, like life with God, has suffered because our work has dominated. It's an obsession because we don't have a plan. It just has taken over. So either way, we need a trellis to say, man, how could I have an approach to my life that allows work to help me receive the love of God and show it? Yeah, I mean, w- with, the, with the, f- the rule of life, the four categories, right? The four buckets. Um, these are not just four random ideas, Right? They're actually meant to be inclusive of all the different aspects of our lives. And the purpose of a rule of life, the purpose of this trellis, right, is that it brings life or supports life to the areas of our lives that are suffering, that are dwindling, right? Think of a plant, it needs that support to continue growing. And so the reason we want to be intentional about actually creating these four buckets is so that we can begin to see that that revitalization, that reinvigoration coming back into uh, our lives. And this includes work, right? Sometimes we, we think, well, I got, you know, if I'm going to follow Jesus, it's about the spiritual stuff that I do. And oh yeah, I can, I can understand that relationships matter and, and, and whatnot. Those ones seem to make sense. But then how does this actually intersect with work? And, and, and so this, this particular bucket may be the least uh, intuitive. It may be the most, um, it might seem like the most out of place of the four buckets. And so uh, it's important that we do spend the time uh, today talking about this. And then later on, actually, uh, that's on that, uh, later on tonight when we're going to be together um, for our workshop online. Um, you see, work was designed, as VJ mentioned, to be this beautiful and intentional, creative thing, right? This is the way it was set up. God, in the beginning, when we meet God in the beginning of scripture, the first lines are God at work, right? And this imagery of him being a gardener and cultivating, he's speaking, he's creating all of the different things. And it's this beautiful rhythm that he sets up. He works and then he rests and then he continues to work, right? This is the routine. This is the rhythm of how he sets it up. But uh, for those of us that know the story, all of creation, everything gets broken, Right? There's a rebellion against God. All of it gets broken, including work. And that which was meant to bring joy and expression and, and um, you know, uh, a creative fulfillment. outlet, fulfillment, purpose, all of that now becomes loaded with toil. Now it becomes uh, loaded with exhaustion and sweat. And it does begin to feel more and more like a curse. And so the question for us is, is how do we get back in our work? How do we get back to what it was actually meant to be like? in the first place, right? Do we just say, well, it was good for a little while and then when everything was broken that we lost our chance? Or, or are we able to look into this and say, no, no, there's something we can do. There's something happening around us. And really the question we want to look at is how is Jesus rescuing our work from either being a curse or an obsession? And how does he bring back that, in- that, that initial purpose to our work of it being something that does bring life, does bring fulfillment, does bring joy? And, and scripture addresses this very thing. And so we're going to listen to Barb Ruddle from our, King, from our Bolton site, excuse me, um, as she reads uh, just a few verses that really wonderfully summarize uh, what our approach to work can be and, and give us an idea of how Jesus is doing a work to rescue it. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, 
as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Here's what this means. Everything you do, all work matters to God, and everything we do is being done for him. Earlier on in the same chapter, uh, the writer here is saying, since you've been made new in Jesus, he's given you life. What this looks like is your heart, your mind, your thoughts, your desires, everything is now focused on Jesus. And, and what that means is not, let's just focus on Jesus and forget about everything else. Rather, what he's saying is, no, because you're so focused on Jesus, that's actually going to shed light and influence the way you look at everything else in your life, including your work. And then he uses this phrase, whatever you do, right? So we're looking at work. This means paid work. This means unpaid work. Paid work is your job. It's your career. It's your side hustle. Whatever you do, you are meant to be doing this unto the Lord. I'll talk about that in a minute. But everything you do is supposed to have this Jesus-focused intentionality, this Jesus-focused perspective behind it. Then, you know, we can look at this in terms of unpaid work, which for all of us is probably the biggest category um, because we all have unpaid work, right? This could look like you're volunteering, uh, and then the way that you serve, you, whether, you know, in our church, for example, like the well runs on volunteers. Uh, without volunteers and people who are just giving up of their time and their energy and their skills, like I don't know where we would be. We'd be a lot further behind. Oh, we, we wouldn't be. We wouldn't be. We no. just wouldn't be, right? Yeah. Um, uh, maybe this looks like volunteering in your community or your kid's school or uh, just helping out a neighbor. That's unpaid work, right? School, uh, for those of you that are students, is unpaid work. Some of you are in post-secondary, right? You're paying them to do work <laughs> with the hopes that you'll graduate and be able to go and work, then actually get paid for that work. Like that's, I mean, just you can parse that out if you want. That That's the reality of what that is. Then, then there's chores around the house, right? Or around wherever. Everybody, I think, should have chores. I didn't think this way before, but now I'm seeing the incredible value in them, right? It teaches not just to our kids. I mean, they should be doing chores. You need to divvy up within your homes. <laughs> you, uh, you just ruined a lot of children's lives. Yeah, I'm today. sorry for that. You know, I mean, this whole paying for school and all that and then chores, but it teaches you responsibility and we shouldn't be trying to get away from those things. Those are opportunities for us to contribute to the well-being of our households, of our families, right? Um, and so that's all included in it. Everybody should have those kinds of things. There's all sorts of other kinds of unpaid work, but he sums it up and he says, right? Whatever you do. Now, this isn't like a, yeah, yeah, whatever you do. It's not, well, yeah, whatever. It's not like that. It's, no, whatever you do. This is loaded, right? He's saying, what everything you do, yeah. everything you do, and here's the key, is meant to be done like you're working for the Lord. It is Jesus that you are serving. It's not, I said like, it's not even like you are doing that. You are. Everything we do is serving Jesus, right? And now there could be this whole debate, right? Well, okay, it's easy for you guys to say. You're pastors, right? So you, you pray and you read your Bible and you fat and you whatever it is that you guys do, right? <laughs> you know, all of that. Easy for you to say. That's easy to do for, for Jesus. Or I'm a plumber uh, or I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a teacher or I'm a whatever. Are you talking about me too? And the truth is, yeah. Like there can be this big, long debate about that which is secular and that which is sacred work. But 
This tells us that everything you do matters. So there isn't a divide, a divide of secular and, and sacred. All work, as we follow Jesus, is sacred, intentional, perf- purposeful work. All of it. I remember when I was um, quitting my job in corporate life, becoming a pastor, yeah. people would say, oh, you're leaving. What are you going to do? So I was going to another company. And I would tell them I'm becoming a pastor. Every one of them, they had 20 conversations like this. They said, oh, that's a calling. That's a calling. As if right. what I was doing before and what they were going to continue to do was not a calling. And, and here's the thing, right? Here's yeah. the very thing that, that, that we're, we're understanding today. All of us are called. Yeah. Right? All of us are called into a purposeful life. Like we're all called into this direction to focus on doing our work for Jesus and actually with Jesus as well. So what does this mean? Yeah. Right? It means that Jesus is the recipient of your work. We're doing it for him as we're doing it for others. This means that the things that we do, the tasks that we have in the work that we do, paid or unpaid, things that seem mundane, meaningless, um, insignificant, small, or like things that don't get noticed, or things that are humongous. Things but that seem like non-spiritual. Right, sure. Spiritual, non-spiritual, like yeah. things that seem that way. Then you got stuff in your jobs where you are getting noticed and where it does seem big. You say, oh, okay, now I got to give this presentation. Now I have an opportunity. All of it is something that we're doing for Jesus. None of it goes unnoticed. None of it goes unnoticed, right? It, it finds its purpose. We find our purpose. We find our, our, our focus on saying, okay, because I'm doing this for Jesus, it all is going to have any, like some type of eternal value. It all matters. Mm-hmm. Nothing is worthless. You know, one way of thinking about this is to think of Jesus um, as your boss, Okay, not, not like the kind of 51st floor CEO uh, who's just up there making tons of money, who's completely disconnected or disassociated or out of touch, really, um, with the workers uh, on the lower floors. Think of him more like a, like a floor manager or a team lead who's, who's right in the thick of the work that you're doing, right beside you as you're doing whatever it is you're doing. Right? This means that Jesus is actually a part of the process. <clears throat> He's part of the process of the work that you're doing. He's not removed from it. And so we can actually be regularly like inter- conversing with him, interacting with him and saying, uh, you know, we're ask- we can ask him for help or we can ask him for direction or insight into the work that we're doing. Jesus wants to be and is meant to be functionally a part of the work that we're doing. So, I mean, as a real simple example, you might be going into like a budget meeting this week. And as you prepare to go into that budget meeting, you might be saying, okay, Jesus, uh, what ought to be the priorities in terms of how we spend our money in, in, in our organization? or in our place of work. Or maybe you're just having like a sit around with your spouse and you're going through the credit card bill and you've got to revisit some of the budget stuff. It's saying, Jesus, we want to invite you into this work to give us direction to lead us into this. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about how do we shape our weekly schedules uh, when it comes to work and everything else in light of Jesus being our team lead. It's running things by him. It's allowing him to speak into it. He's actually showing us how to work well. I was thinking too, you know, the story of God begins with, him like manually working jesus spends most of his life on earth as a manual laborer working with his hands as a carpenter so if you're someone who's who does manual labor man this should you should have the easiest time imagining jesus next to you in your work and saying how do i do this jesus how do i make this this isn't sitting right this isn't looking right i'm tired physically from the manual labor help me he's right there he did it yeah you know this can be difficult i think for for some of us to understand because maybe we've had such terrible 
interactions with our with our bosses and i'm being careful in what i say here because of VG. no no i love obviously love yeah. him uh, and and so um but many of you are like okay yeah easy you know maybe that is easy for you to say but uh, not for me you've never met my boss you've never met my manager well, people say like you join a company but you quit a boss yeah exactly like again how many people uh you know love their work but hate their job right because of the people that they that they're doing it for and so there's a couple of things that that happen in all this uh, and and one of the things that when we picture Jesus as this manager right this team lead the one who's who are working for um, the one who we're serving but is also working alongside us is that he is he's constantly encouraging us he's constantly reminding us that who you are is vastly more important than the work that you do I, i'm going to say that again who you are is vastly more important than what you do. This, this doesn't mean that our work doesn't matter. That's not what I'm trying to suggest to you. Obviously, the whole, this whole thing about, is about work and finding purpose and, and whatnot. So it's not about just saying, well, it doesn't matter. Who cares? It's not about throwing in a towel. Or it's not about just you know, phoning it in. That's not what it's about. Rather, it's saying you are, value just, you are valuable just as you are. And as we constantly hear those words of encouragement, that again rewires us to to be uh, doing our work in a different kind of way. We see the purpose in it. We see the intentionality. Okay, so I might do things that don't get noticed by my, my earthly boss or whatever, but Jesus does notice that. And even if I drop the ball or bomb completely, or even if I do something incredibly great, his opinion of me doesn't change because he loves me still and he's proud of me still. And he's committed to me still. Like that's, that's incredible, right? That actually reshapes the whole way we might view our, our bosses here on earth that aren't so great. Because we're saying, well, you know what? I, I can find a way to try working here, even though it's not so good with my manager. But I know that I'm actually serving Jesus first and foremost. And he's going to show me how to do this well, right? Jesus, uh, you know, tells us that our character is more important than our competence. Again, this is not meaning that our competence or our skill sets don't matter, but he's saying the person that you are becoming the, is, is, is in, tremendously more important than whatever it is that we produce, right? The quality and the value and the purpose and the work you do comes out of who Jesus says yeah, you are that's so important. and who Jesus is making you to be as you follow him in the work yeah. that you're doing. It's what comes first, right? Like yeah. it, as we receive his love, as we yeah. see his value over us, whatever, what does that do? It changes how we work. It's like working for someone who cares for you as a person, values you, equips you, encourages you when you fall down, right. you know, like, that, what does that do? It affects your work. Yeah. It's a priority thing. Yeah, it's a priority thing. And again, like maybe I, I, th I think I was kind of raised with this or I developed it somewhere along the way. It was like God first and then everything else, yeah. right? Now, I understand where that's coming from, but I think it's way more like God in the middle and everything is around. Well, that's what the rule of life is. That's what the rule right? of life is. Yeah. Put him in the middle. How do you receive the love of God and give the love of God to others with these different quadrants that are connected to all aspects of our life? That's what it is. And so, yes, it's about understanding our priorities, but it's, it's again, it's about bringing all of this together. Jesus is not somebody who just sits over there. I mean, the whole story of Jesus is that he came into, like, came to earth. God comes into the middle of everything that is happening and begins to influence and transform it and rescue it from the inside out. And that's what he wants to do in our places of work as well. And so because Jesus is our, our boss, our team lead, he's right beside us, this means that we can be ethical people. 
right? We don't have to cut deals. We don't have to cut corners to try and make an extra buck. Uh, we don't have to go against our moral code. We can say, you know, even if I'm going to take a loss here, uh, I'm going to trust that Jesus is somehow going to make up for this in the end. And I know that doing it right by him is better than just trying to do any of this other kind of stuff. You know, Jesus is the ultimate servant leader. He, he served us in giving his, his life. He continues to serve us and caring for us and providing for all these things that he does. And so that means my mindset when it comes to my work can actually be one of being a servant as well. Uh, it's not about trying to climb that corporate ladder. It's about seeing who I can serve and care for uh, as we go. And so this turns into us wanting to do good work wherever it is, paid work, unpaid work, because we want to honor Jesus. And Jesus actually is showing us how we're able to honor others in the work that we do. And the best, um, and so uh, because of that, in light of this, um, what we want to do, again, bringing it back to um, this trellis, bringing it back to this rule of life is this actually sets us up well to ask some questions that will help us sort out what needs to be in that quadrant. Again, this isn't necessarily the most intuitive one, right? It takes a little extra work. And so we do have some questions that Vijay and I are just going to banter about here uh, that'll hopefully give some insight and say, okay, I can actually answer that question and start filling in the box. It's good. Before we jump into four questions that'll help you, you know, right, and think this through, I want you to pause and think about this. If, if you are a steward, if God has entrusted the paid and unpaid work you have to do, schoolwork, homework, uh, housework, work, work, uh, we need to be healed of a mindset that either sees ourselves as owners where we grip so tightly, where either we're, we're, we're wanting to control it or we're just so stressed because it's up to us, it's up to me, you know, that we're owners, we have to get this right. Or that we feel like slaves, we feel like people who aren't valued, aren't noticed, who are used up and beaten up in the process and, um, you know, bled dry. And maybe some of your work environments are like that. But to say, okay, but that's a mindset that God needs to heal me of because God's not looking at me like that. Mm. Um, God isn't asking me to own this or trying to use me up. He's entrusted something to me. So I want you to take just two minutes and just pray this prayer and say, Jesus, heal me of this mindset. If, it Maybe if you feel more like an owner or a slave, Jesus, heal me of this mindset and help me learn what it means to be a steward. So just take two minutes and just silently under your breath, you can close your eyes if that helps you. You can open your hands if that helps you to just ask him to heal you.
So as we continue to say over and over again, the rule of life is meant to show us uh, the ways in our life in which we receive the love of God and then give the love of God to others. And so when it comes to our work, uh, we want to ask these questions. In what ways does the work that we do, paid, unpaid, um, reveal to us the ways in which God loves us? And then also show us uh, ways in which we can show the, we can give love to others, right? And so one question to ask, and, and again, like this is meant to be a work in, like to something we're working on. So maybe you've got to write out this question and then actually start answering it. And don't worry about cramming everything in that box right away. You got all the big ideas, and then we're gonna we're gonna shrink it down. One of the questions might it might be for understanding the way God loves us and the work that we do is what gifts has God given me through my work. What gifts has God given me through my work? It might be the, you might, might, one of the things you might say is a paycheck because there I find I'm able to provide for myself, for my family, whatever. Um, Maybe it's in your work, again, paid, unpaid, maybe in your unpaid work, you're volunteering alongside other people and you've built up some really incredible friendships. Uh, Maybe you've been able to be a part of uh, some uh, amazing ways of serving the community around you. Maybe you've experienced something like that. And so start thinking through what are the, the gifts that he's given me, that he gives you a space to actually use some of the skills that you have uh, to serve other people. Um, that, those are the ways that we receive the love of God. Of course, there's lots of different things, but that would be one of them. And then another thing might be, <clears throat> how has he given you the opportunity to give his love to others, right? And so you, we can ask this question similarly to the questions Vijay asked previously when he talked about relationships. Who is God calling you to show love to in your work? Again, maybe it's in your place of work. Maybe it's just in your home. You're like, man, I do a lot of work beside my spouse. <laughs> you know, or we're always fighting about our chores or something like that. You know, what are ways that we can learn to enjoy and, 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 um, and show, show love to each other in this? Again, it could be in your community around you. Who are the neighbors that you need to just take that extra step and serve them by doing something for them? Whatever it might be. Second question for you to think about as you're like, okay, what should go in that bucket? What is my daily habit of preparation for my work or my school. And here's why. If Jesus is actually meant to be involved in our work, how do I prepare myself mentally, emotionally, spiritually for my work? What is my daily habit? Do I take five minutes before I get out of the car um, to pray about where I'm going? Do I start the day, um, this is a good question, saying like, like in that preparation, Jesus, what do you want me to work on today? I mean, in corporate life, I regularly felt like there was way more to do in a day, in a week, in a month on my project list than I could ever get done. And so I, I and oftentimes I'd be working so hard on something in the end, it never got used or it changed. And I was like, why did I spend so much time on that? And oftentimes you're left, maybe you're one of those people who's just given a whole bunch of work to do and you have to figure it out. Um, and sometimes the things you value are different, whatever. This isn't about saying, oh, I don't care about my boss, what my boss says, but you need Jesus' help. Some of us need to actually ask him, Jesus, what do you want me to work on today? What do you want me to study today? And ask him for specific help. And so a daily habit of preparation in the morning or before a shift or before you sit down with your textbooks or before you cross the threshold of your workplace, before your feet hit the floor, what is my daily habit of preparation for my work? Yeah, and this is one of the ways actually where Jesus shows you how much he cares about the work that you're doing. Because you could be like, wow, I'm not going to bother him with this. Or he's not going to answer that. Well, one question is like, well, how do you know? Yeah. As soon as you invite him in, he will start to do way more than you could ever imagine. And Jesus himself said, which is crazy, because if you say, oh, who had a full plate of work? He had to save the world. Yeah. Jesus was busy. He said, I can only do what my father tells me yeah. to do. 
It's like, wait, Jesus actually was directed on a daily basis by God, and he went to God for that. Um, so what does that mean for us? We need to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and he'll lead us into that. Uh, when it comes to work, another question that we need to ask, this is a big issue for a lot of people when it comes to work, is, is about boundaries, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, it's asking the question, what boundaries do I need to put in place when it comes to my work? Okay, so this could be like, what do I need help focusing on when it comes to work, when it comes to school, when it comes to volunteering, when it comes to chores, when it comes to whatever it is uh, that whatever it is that we're doing. Um, what distractions need to be eliminated so I'm able to actually keep at it, right? Um, this includes questions like, how do I decide what to say yes to and what to say no to? Right? So for me, I need to practice, I need to work on saying no to things more than uh, saying yes. I, I like to say yes a lot because I like to be helpful. I like to do what I can. But so I actually wrote in my, in my rule of life, um, say no more than yes. Okay, that's, that's an example of one of the things you can put in there. So this needs to be a, like a, a discernment process, a decision-making process. And for me, this means that when it comes to my decisions, when it comes to boundaries, I'm consulting Jesus and I'm consulting Sandra, my wife. Now, does this mean I pray before I decide uh, and, and text my wife before I decide, oh, should I send this email or should I do this other? Not, not, not so much stuff like that. If we've already invited him into the work for the day, he'll guide us in that. But when it comes to the bigger boundaries, like how many evening meetings, can I have this week or, or on any given week or you know I don't do it so much anymore but in the past I used to travel quite a lot doing different speaking engagements conferences retreats and it got to a point where I had totally lost track of you know Jesus is calling me to do all this but I forgot that my wife was at home with two young kids and I wasn't really consulting her on this and so I have to be going back and forth with her and say hey what are reasonable boundaries should I should I do a master's degree should I do a PhD yeah. should I take this promotion yeah. should I you know what all those have implications those are questions to be asked and not just assumed wait, I'm going to get a promotion and get more money? I should say yes. Right. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, I mean, for me, in my current state of mental health, I'm really having to learn what new, what a new set of boundaries looks like. And so I need to, this looks like for me, again, consulting Jesus, consulting my wife, real practically beyond that, Sandra and I have a shared calendar. Um, so she can see the blue boxes are my life, the purples are hers, a lot of them over, <laughs> overlap. But we can just see that and it becomes a discussion point. Where you get, Whoa, that's a lot of blue in the evenings. What's going on there? Mm-hmm. Right? That's just how we set boundaries. It's that's important. Good. Last question for you to think about in this, and again, this is a working doc. You can come to the seminar tonight. It's meant to help you work this stuff out. But what unpaid work can bring me joy? What unpaid work can bring me joy? Good. Look at for some of you, you have a job or you have a studies um, that don't pay you to sing or to work with kids or to be creative or to lead other people. Um, but in the church, there's opportunities to do that, that you can find and, and learn how to do those things and express those gifts. There's lots of us uh, and people who serve in the church. I know for many years, like I served uh, in music and I served leading and I wasn't singing at work. I'm not good enough to get paid for that. Um, but I had this opportunity to do it and I loved it. It was, so, it was way less hours than what I worked, but it brought me so much joy to have that. Many of you, uh, you know, hopefully are finding joy in unpaid work that you do in the church or in the community around you. For some of you, finding joy is a better division of labor at home. If you have other people you share life with in a household, roommates, housemates, or spouse, or 
children, maybe you hate the unpaid work because you're doing all of it and you need to get your kids to do work. And I would say to you, start them young because yeah. a four-year-old doesn't mind grabbing a mop. It's kind of fun. I know we don't like it because it makes a mess, but try to hand it to them when they're 15 and be like, what is this? I'm not getting my hands dirty. Start sooner. Again, I'm ruining many lives as children too. <laughs> like, or your spouse and you, like for, for Jen and I realized like she loves cleaning and hates cooking. I love cooking and hate cleaning. That worked out. Works. Finances, I do the finances, but the problem is I'm big picture and I'm kind of like, everything's going to work out okay. Those are bad things when it comes to finances. <laughs> so she's detailed. She's more, you know, analytical. So we compare and we made sure we worked on the plan together, but on the day-to-day running, I do it because I'm just more adept at that. And that works. So some of you need to revisit what your unpaid work looks like at your home so that you can actually enjoy it more. Now, those are four questions. There's lots more, I'm sure. We want to invite you to go onto the blog to read that, to re-listen to any of these sermons you need help with, which bucket maybe. It's probably one bucket you need more help with right now than others. Um, and then come to the seminar tonight. That's online on Zoom. You can find that on our website, and we'll work this out together a little bit more. Just as we close, right, one question I want to look at is why do all this? Why, why think of Jesus as our boss? Why invite him into this? Why worry about a rule of life? Put, try and put it. Why do all of this? And Colossians gives us the answer, what we, what we heard already. I'll read it again, though. Whatever you do, everything, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. And here's the key. Here's the answer, right? This is why we do it. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus that you are serving. The reward we're working for is the reward that comes from Jesus himself. Jesus notices your work. He sees you. Even when nobody else does, he does. And he's going to reward you for the work that you do. This is why we want to invite him into it so we can do meaningful and purposeful uh, eternal work right here, right now, knowing that it's all contributing to something bigger than ourselves. We will receive an inheritance from Jesus and you will receive this as a reward for the work that you do for him and with him. So it's not, no, the reward you receive is not your salary. It's not your bonus. It's not your hero pay. It's not your commission. It's not a promotion or a raise. It's not any of the perks that come. It's, it's none of that. It's not even being noticed that by anybody around here. The reward is getting Jesus, the joy of serving alongside him. The, the reward is the person you become as Jesus works alongside you and continues to make you into the person that he wants you to be, which is really the person we want to be. That's so good. The reward is getting Jesus himself. It's all wrapped up in his love and his grace that he shows now and that we'll experience in a complete full way one day. That's what we're working for. And so I want us, church, to be people who are so full of faith uh, that we're willing to boldly say, Jesus, we're going to do this work with you. We're going to do this work for you. And we want to see a picture. We want, even if it's just a glimpse or if it's the full picture, we want to see what it is, the reward that we're going to be receiving from you. And so church, receive this as a benediction, a blessing, a good word for you as we conclude here. Our, my blessing is that I want you to have this joy, this joy, this life, this purpose, this reward from Jesus that we would see that everything we do now, paid, unpaid, all of our work matters to Jesus. And he is working in us and through us as we do it. 
So church, let's uh, join together in responding to what God is saying to us by worshiping in song.